All right. Welcome, everybody, to Study Hall. Trevor Denton with Jordan Hunter, Jimmy Goodman, and, and Daniel Halpern. Guys, February 2nd, 2021, a day that will go down into history. The, one of the greatest days of my life. I wake up, and NCAA football is suddenly back. Huge announcement on Twitter. Um, you know, I used to go and get this game. I, my life has been empty since 2013 when they discontinued the game when Bernard Robinson was on the cover in 2014. I used to go every year to GameStop before it was cool at midnight and pick up the game and play all night the first night it came out. So this is uh, this is a big moment for me. Jimmy, I know you're also a big fan of the series. What was your reaction when you saw the news on Twitter today? Yeah, no, I, I've, I've similarly had a great day, possibly the best day of my life. Um <laughs> For those who know, you know, uh, but I digress. Uh, I mean, I've been, you know, not only an active uh, lurker of the r slash NCAA FB series subreddit, but also a poster in my time. Uh, I, I've certainly, you know, made the, the solid effort to get the 360, get a copy of 14, you know, load it up, run through some games. I'll probably do that in, in an anticipatory state. I think one small, you know, it, it you know negative storyline is that's going to take i think they had said something like two to three years or to really come out you know what man we've waited what like eight years i think i could wait two or three just to make sure they yeah. get it right i, I want to make sure they capture the essence of what ncaa football was because if it feels too streamlined like madden i'm going to be pissed off because i'd rather have ncaa restored to its former glory than a cheap imitation you know what i'm saying well i feel like one of the best things they could do like honestly uh would be to re-release ncaa 14 as backwards compatible or like purchasable for like playstation xbox users like on the thing and they can still sell it for 60 dollars, right that's still a good like 40 dollars behind <laughs> behind the average price on ebay right so I, I don't think that would be a terrible idea they can make a lot of money from it and now it seems like they're allowed to do it again have you guys been playing the game this whole time since or did you stop playing after you realized they discontinued the series i, I started playing more once they discontinued the series for me, that was a, a, a driving factor. I mean, NCAA 14 really, I mean, being the last of its kind, obviously, you know, gets a bit more gravitas, but it, it really is one of the best sports games of all time. No doubt. I played for a while, and recently I came home. My parents moved and actually sold it and my 360 recently along with all my other NCAAs. So that was a heartbreaking day. So the fact that it's coming back now, I was already in the process of kind of thinking about getting a new 360 and also NCAA 14 <laughs> spending like $900. I was kind of in the, in the early stages of buying back every single game that I had lost in the sale. Um, but now, you know, I, I don't know if I'm even going to do that anymore. So that's why the news hit me amazingly today. Cause that just happened a couple months ago that I figured out that, that all my NCAA games were lost. Anyways, one of the greatest games of all time. And I feel like one of the things that made it amazing, you know, I used to do an online dynasty with my friends and, and really like, the games were fun trying to win the Heisman trying to win national championships was fun playing against your friends was fun, but really like the recruiting was amazing. And I'm excited to see how that has kind of adapted to a modern, uh, modern college football landscape where you have like the transfer portal. And um, I don't know, I'm really excited. I don't, maybe you get to hire like graphic designers to make cool, cool Twitter edits within the game. I don't know. It's going to be fun to see how they adapt that Jimmy. I read this wonderful piece on the athletic that said that, the team that worked on the NCA series would usually take more risks and kind of do some more out there kind of mm -hmm. ideas than the Madden team. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they threw in the transfer portal stuff, they kind of maybe expanded on recruiting guides that aren't just seniors in high school. Right. So you could have some like 
verbal commitments and then they decommit and there's an early signing day, whatever. I think that they get, get pretty interesting and detailed with it. So I'm pretty excited to see what they're going to do. Uh, I, I think in, in your case, uh, if you're spending $900 on a 360 and a copy of 14, I'm assuming you've just, you know, liquidated your GameStop stock to pay for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I followed your advice, invested in Robinhood, but yeah, no, that's a great point about NCAA was always a little bit one step ahead for Madden. Madden actually in the past took from what, uh, from what the NCAA team was developing at the time. Like for instance, like Madden for the longest time had like pre-can tackling where like, no matter what happened when the running back ran into a linebacker, it was like four different types of tackles you'd see. Whereas NCAA made a more realistic engine where they reacted to each other and Madden actually adapt, adopted that later. So that team was always ahead. I just hope the Madden team stays so far away from this in every way, shape or form. I hope they're not even allowed to play it um, because they've, they've screwed up Madden so badly. Um, but yeah, the possibilities are endless. I'd, lo I'd love to see a customizable playoff maybe so you can expand your own playoff to make it more than four teams. You might as well. That would be really fun. Um, and I also loved like the dynasty mode where you could start as an offensive coordinator, like a Georgia Southern and work your way up to being like the head coach of a USC. Like it was so fun to follow that journey and the coaching carousel and real life coaching changes was, was just, was just so much fun. So I I'm happy this game is, is back in my life. I feel like the, the possibilities are truly endless. I mean, the transfer portal would be, would be nuts, man. Be nuts. Tate Martell, can you imagine getting him to six different schools in three years? That'd be so much fun. It'd be unbelievable. I think that the, the coolest thing that could possibly happen out of all of this is, think about it, it's going to be a couple years down the line, which you know what that means. Name, name, image, and likeness is going to be a thing. Players can start benefiting off of it. I would not be surprised if this is one of the first big, like, I guess swinging for the fences move up. Let's get all these players real names and profiles in there, not just do the the classic NCAA like fake fake people over there with pretty much the, the real people uh, underneath them. But you you know what's going on. But hey, this could be a first really big move uh, to to show off that what could be done with name image likeness uh, rights. That and would I, be really cool. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. I think for me, having not told you guys, I never I didn't really I played the game four times in my life. I never owned it. Um, on, was it available on PS3? <laughs> I, I'm not even sure. Was it just an Xbox game? Yep. PS3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I never owned the game. I've only played it a few times with my friends, probably like four years ago, way past, you know, the graphics were, were terrible. I was like, I asked him, why is he still playing this game? The graphics are awful. Um, and I remember one time you could play as a, as a mascot. Yeah. And you could play playing as, a, as a Stanford tree. Um, my thing is, it's going to be cool for me just to really see, since I've been like, you know, immersed in the college life and college football, just kind of being there with USC, it's going to be cool to see what kind of things they can really do with the game and really see how it's different, how it's going to be different than Madden. Cause I was, I grew up on Madden, played a lot of Madden. Um, but I think they could do some really cool things and some really cool interactions with social media as well. And with, uh, with the, with the universities too. My number one thing is I, I am not an ultimate team guy, but what I would love if they like really, if they went in to do that because it's EA and they will, uh, and they just really went to town on like finding those like gem, like old players that are like, that were like studs. Like I want to play a game with Case Keenum at quarterback. I want to play a game with Kellen Moore at quarterback. I want to play a game with Percy Harvin at receiver. Like I, I think that would be like a fun way to do it. And I think with how open the license is going to be, it's, it's a possibility. Uh, I do have to d disagree with Daniel, though. Uh, I honestly, for the longest time, never knew who number 15 at quarterback for the Florida Gators was. 
Uh, he was a lefty. He was really good at running. I just thought that was auto-generated, you know, at, at best a coincidence. Like how could, how could you possibly ever say who that is? Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, it's an exciting new chapter for sports video games. Absolutely. And, and kind of jumping off that point, you know, they did have ultimate team in the last NCAA and, and it was cool. I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it that much because it's like ultimate team is typical. You know, you get a bunch of like eight year olds that spend $400 because they get their parents credit card money. And then they have like Pat White and Tim Brown, like on the same team. And it's just no fun. But what I would like to see in a way to kind of make up for the deficit of not having NCAA football for the past five years and something that I haven't seen in NCAA franchise is classic teams, like having kind of 20 classic teams, similar to what the NBA 2K franchise does. And some of those are national championship teams. You can have the Alabama ones, but some of them are like some fun teams like 2014 TCU comes to mind. Like some of those Boise state teams um, like a, like a Houston team with uh, with uh, what's it, Greg Ward, you know, that was really fun and be like Florida state um, and Louisville. So like, like fun. T- what do you mean? What are you giving me that? Look, that was like a great, like group of five team to watch. It's just a really extremely specific team to go with a Greg Ward oh, quarterback Houston team, and you didn't oh, even mention sick. UCF. Yet. You didn't even sick. mention UCF. It was a classic team. It was a classic team, like the old uh, West Virginia teams with Pat White, Steve Slayton, and Noel Devine. Like those were some of the most fun teams to play with back in the day. So I think bringing those back, like giving like Joe Burrow a chance to be in the game with the classic LSU team. I'm just thinking of like you know you know like the 2K teams. They don't just have like the 14 Miami Heat. They also have like the We Believe Warriors. That's what I'm trying to get at, Jimmy. Sorry that my one example didn't didn't uh, didn't fit with what you were thinking. Like the RG3 Baylor team is what I'm saying. And you can have the option to you know play with them in maybe a special game mode, like where you you know. Uh, try to determine the best team of all time, kind of similar to what they did with the Heisman mode back in the day, or you have the option to then take the team and put them into today's dynasty mode and have them compete against current teams. So you could take like the 2019 LSU Tigers and, and have them go up against current day Alabama. I think that would be a really fun way to incorporate players that didn't get a chance to be in the game, give them money for their name image likeness since they didn't have that chance before. Um, and also kind of tie into the past of, of NCAA, because I think that a key with this game is going to be tapping into people's nostalgia. I know that'll be a key for me, keeping as much the same as possible while also pushing the franchise forward. Anything else that you guys hope to see um, in the, in the newest iteration of NCAA football, whenever it comes out, anything else you guys hope to see. Hopefully they can get uh, that classic Clay Helton face. They can if they can capture that perfectly, that would be great. Yeah, I was gonna say I want the option to fire a coach as soon as possible. I don't want to play through an entire season and have to fire him. Um, I want to fire him immediately. I also think like now that it comes to mind, I mean there was never really like an AD mode, right? Like you could be a head coach, but there was no way to just like control USC. And like honestly, I think that would be a fun way to kind of like deal with the churn of coordinators or. You have a bad coach, wink, uh, that you want to get rid of. Like, I think it would be kind of interesting. And one of the problems that I found when I would do my playthroughs is, like, it was always so hard to get to those – to maybe, like, that team that you wanted to get to. Like, getting to USC, if you didn't start there, was, like, impossible because the job would never open up because the team would never lose because that's the way the game was made. So, I don't know. AD mode would be interesting. You know, take money from boosters, that kind of stuff. It would be very interesting. USC job never opening up though would would is pretty pretty realistic. Also, something that needs to return Georgia Tech needs to be unbeatable again. For some reason, in every single NCAA game, they were just the most OP team. You could never beat them. They were consistently in the national championship. 
And for some reason, Alabama would always drop to six and six, like one year into your dynasty. Those two features need to need to improve because it's going to be the only way we don't see Alabama in the college football playoff every year. Um, and then one last question for you before we wrap up this NCAA topic. I'm so excited about this, man. I'm so excited. This, get, this just gets me in my feels, man. I never thought it would come back. But who do you want to see on the first cover back? Because usually it's like a guy that had just graduated. Um, you know, maybe it's someone from the past five years or, you know, someone in the future. Who do you guys want to see on the first cover back when NCAA football returns? And we'll start with you, Dan. Uh, well, Jordan and I were talking before before we came on the pod about out of USC quarterbacks, who, who do we want to see? And he, he was saying Miller Moss. And I said, Jackson Dart. And I know this is a conversation really outside of the cover of NCAA football 2020, what is it going to be, three, four, whatever it is. But I, I don't know. I think after Jackson Dart has his first 8,000-yard season, uh, there's no one else but him to put on the cover. I, I, think, it, I think it would be really cool. I mean, we don't, since we don't know when it's going to be coming out, probably a few years from now, I think it it wouldn't really make sense for it to be someone who like is not a college player or like like Burrow who's been who's like been removed from college for like five years at that point. I think it could be really cool to be just like, you know, the be- the best returning player. We don't even know who that's gonna be three years from now. Um, but if it were to come out say 2021, I would say it could be cool to have uh Spencer Rattler on the cover. There you go. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, if they get the NIL stuff right, like you can absolutely do a person who's still actively in college. Uh, I mean, you know, from a USC perspective, sure, certainly da- Jackson Dardamillo and Moss would be cool. You know, I'd hope to see Corey Foreman on there, but they wouldn't be so brazen as to put a defensive player on the covers. One of the things that I actually liked that they did in previous years was they used to change the cover depending on your system right? Like Xbox would have one guy, PSP oh. would have another. I, I remember getting the PSP version, I believe it was NCA09, and I got Mark Sanchez, um, which is devastating. Uh, but I, I think that they could get creative with it. I, I wouldn't hate if they did something a little special, maybe for the first year back, maybe something that's just more of a celebration of college as a whole or something like that, something rather generic instead of maybe going with the one player on the front. Yeah, I'd love to see what I would want to see is a collage of of kind of guys that didn't get a chance to be on the cover, a Lamar Jackson, a Trevor Lawrence, um, a Joe Burrow. I think just a collage celebrating those guys that didn't get the opportunity. I think Joe Burrow tweeted today, like, wow, they, you know, they're coming back with NCAA the year after I, I leave LSU, leave college. So I think it'd be fun to celebrate those guys. And I'd be fun. To, I think it'd be fun to also start incorporating classic teams like I was talking about, kind of where they were headed with the Heisman mode just before the game was canceled. Very exciting news. Can't wait to see it. And you know what? We've waited long enough that if they if they want to take two, three years, three years might be my maximum um, before I start getting impatient. But if they want to take two, three years to like really get it perfect, then then I'm okay with that. I can stick with my Madden League for now. Maybe Jimmy will come back in that so I can beat him a million times again. All right, we're going to uh, take a quick break. We're going to come back with a little reactions to the Matthew Stafford to the Rams trade. Stay tuned. Joseph Tobete. No, 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 no. All right, welcome back, guys. Absolutely titanic, huge, massive trade in the NFL. Matthew Stafford to the Rams uh, and the Lions get um, a treasure trove of assets. They get two first-round picks, a third-round pick in this year's draft, and Jared Goff. Guys, I can't remember. The last time, I guess, a trade really awesome. made my jaw drop was uh, was Odell Beckham maybe to the Browns, but I guess in the NFL, we're starting to see more, more of this. But um, if you guys had to give a grade, we'll start with the Rams because I feel like this is, you know, they've taken so many big swings in recent years, whether it was to get Jalen Ramsey, Dante Fowler, um, 
couple other guys, um, and now another one getting Matthew Stafford, and they've given up their first round pick in five consecutive drafts. But how would you grade this trade for for the local team, the LA Rams, starting with you, Dan? Well, for the Rams, I would say, and this is like fairly generous, a C plus, because I I don't want to go out right away and give it an F, which is my initial reaction, because why are you giving away this much for, for Matthew Stafford? Like there's, there's better quarterbacks for cheaper prices. If not, you could have gotten Matthew Stafford for a cheaper price. Uh, But I will say that I like the idea of going all in for a quarterback. You, you have an elite defense, you have weapons galore on that team with, with Woods cup cam uh, cam makers. And it just, the team looks solid. The offensive line isn't horrible, but Jared Goff is the one thing holding this team back. And yeah, you can say, well, he was hurt in the playoffs. He was horrible all season. Like he, he is not playing up to the level that a hundred million dollar first round pick or sorry, first overall pick should be playing at, at this point in his career. And I think that it's fair to move on from him, but at the same time, it just, the price of this was horrible, but I do love putting Matthew Stafford in this offense. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to see him no longer in the NFC North with my Packers. Because, uh, you know, every couple of years he'll, he'll throw out something crazy and get a win. So uh, good luck to him with the Rams. I think this team could definitely be special, but it's, if it doesn't work out, they are screwed for the near future. Personally, Ram side, F, right? So there has been, you know, in recent years, two trades that stand out as like among the worst in NFL history. One was inexplicable and that was the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Like nothing can explain why or how that happened. And another one is absolutely like an atom bomb dropped on a franchise. And that is this trade. Nothing about Matthew Stafford's career line or his history or whatever really strikes me as a guy who I'm particularly confident in like absolutely like for sure being like a great quarterback like he is like so consistently in that 10 to 15 range and this is kind of backed up by his QBR numbers which I did a little research on uh when the trade was made um but nothing about him feels like oh yeah like you add a Matthew Stafford and now everything's going to come together and I think that a lot of like their deficiency really didn't come from Jared Goff like I think and we can get into it when we do the the lion side, I really don't think Jared Goff is that bad. So personally, I, I say that this is a trade that can so easily backfire. Uh, and, and essentially the expectations that they've set for themselves are at least to go to a Super Bowl in the next two years while he's under contract. Uh, but this is also a team that, you know, very easily you could see him getting injured or you could see him falling off or you can see something very easily going wrong for a team that is this pressed against the cap, this pressed for high quality draft picks at controllable uh, rookie wages, right? That, they could end up with like a top 10 pick in the next two years, just as much as they could win a Super Bowl in my mind. Uh, so I'd say from that perspective, it's an F because it, it really, it, it is such a detriment to the future of their franchise. It's, it's unbelievable. I think I'm going to have to go with a C plus, but it's a type of C plus that a teacher gives where she's putting question marks next to the, some of your answers, but also giving you points for trying. You ever have those teachers who will be like, Oh, I gave you some points. so I could see where your direction was. I see what the Rams are doing. You know, they were a second-round team this year, um, and they thought Stafford could be the guy to put him over the edge and really, you know, win a Super Bowl with this team. They've been close. They've been so close before, two years ago, three years ago, and their defense is good, as Dan said. They have the weapons, but and Stafford's a gutsy player. He's more gutsy than than Goff, like easily. But as Jimmy said, he's not like he's not 
you know, a franchise changing quarterback at this point in his career. And he's going to, you know, he's, I think he's an upgrade for sure, but I don't think it's going to do any, it's going to move the needle that much um, for this Rams team. And I think it, they probably pretty much stay the same. Maybe you get a little better if golf isn't at, cause golf is, as you said, terrible this year. And if you can get a little more from Stafford, I think the team will still be, you know, fourth, fifth best team in, sixth best team in the NFC because you still have the Seahawks, you still have the Bucks, you still have the Packers, the Saints, the Niners coming back. So there's still a bunch of teams that they have to leapfrog to really be the cream of the crop the NFCs that, that they think they are with this trade. And they have no future if it doesn't go well. And Stafford's what, 34 years old? Like he's or how old is he? 33 during the season. Okay, so he's he's not the youngest. He still has some years, but I don't think they had to give up that much. And they, they don't have, they've had draft picks in the past. They're not going to have them in the future. I just think it was a lot to give up for not, not even, not a Deshaun Watson type quarterback, the guy who's going to change your franchise. Yeah, I agree. And they have such a short window to get it done. And I kind of appreciate that the Rams exist because they're kind of the only NFL team really building this, like an NBA team where they're chasing stars. They're kind of the only one really doing that, making big swings on guys like Jalen Ramsey, um, and, and obviously Aaron Donald, they already have, um, and, and big trades. They made one for, you know, Brandon Cooks, Dante Fowler um, in the past. So I kind of respect that they're kind of the only ones doing that. But at a certain point, that does hurt depth when you're that top heavy of a team. Like, and, and you saw against the Packers, right, where Aaron Donald was even just a little limited and the Packers were able to run for 188 yards. Like, that's what happens when you just don't have depth. And at a certain point, when you're not drafting in the first round for six years in a row, that's six potential key players that you're missing out on. And they have been good at drafting in the second or third round. I will give them the credit. That's where they found guys like Cam Akers, uh, Cooper Cup. They were able to bring in Robert Woods via trade. So they have been able to kind of make up for the deficit of losing first round picks. But it's pretty unprecedented that we've seen a team not draft in the first round for six consecutive years. That will come back to haunt the Rams. And they have such a short window. But now let's transition to the Lions because I feel like this was such a good trade for them. I mean, I couldn't imagine a more massive haul to get for a 33-year-old quarterback. Like, I just couldn't imagine a better return for them. Like, they have hope as a franchise for, like, the first time since drafting Stafford in 2009. Like, the third-round pick this year. They have the seventh pick this year. So they can draft a quarterback this year maybe if Fields falls or Trey Lance or somebody. Still have him compete with Jared Goff as a stopgap. And there's been a lot of talk about Jared Goff's contract, but – um, actually, if you like dig into it, it's really only guaranteed for two years. So the Rams gave up too much just to offload that contract. The Lions have no problem really eating that. They're not paying that many other players. They're they're the perfect team to take on Jared Jared Goff's contract right now. Um, kind of like really what the, what the Texans did with uh or no no who took on uh, the Osweiler contract from the Texans Browns the Cleveland Browns and they drafted Nick Chubb with that pick. So this feels like very similar to that. Um, where the Lions are taking on an embattled guy, and, and it's only upside. Like either Goff, um, you know, performs well above expectations, maybe makes it back to another Pro Bowl. I mean, this is a guy that outdueled freaking Patrick Mahomes on Monday Night Football two years ago and led the Rams to a Super Bowl. So maybe there's glimpses of that guy, and that's great upside. If not, who cares? You have the seventh pick in this year's draft and two future first round picks. So I, I think it's, I, I'd give it an A for the Lions. I think, you know, you never hear this, but I think the Rams absolutely won something and that's this trade but what do you guys think yeah i i completely agree it's, it's amazing how many things you just literally took out of my mouth uh and and you know like i i hate the concept of doing like f on one side and a plus on another but i don't see how you can say anything else with lions and you talk about hope like this is a team that's been basically directionless since 
at least based, you know, like the early years of Stafford's career where they were semi-competitive, they made some playoffs, but like for the past couple of years, this team has been going nowhere and going nowhere fast, right? So at least they're a team with direction. This is exactly how you rebuild a football team. Like I, I couldn't have imagined them pulling off a trade better than this. Like it's, it's absurd. And one of the best things about Jared Goff is that like, you know, all the people who literally don't actually do like a second of like looking in or like checking out the details of anything are going to say, oh, they took only the terrible contract, whatever. The Jared Goff contract before the trade wasn't great, but the Jared Goff contract after the trade with all that money being scraped off the top and staying in uh, LA. And the Rams that, are still the like, for a lot of it. It is, it is legitimately one of the most on target in terms of like actual player value contracts it, literally in the nfl like he is basically getting paid without with the exception of like those like on rookie contract guys who are still getting underpaid but will get massive extensions he's basically getting paid for exactly where he is in terms of qbr as a ranking right he's like 15th to 20th and that's where he's getting paid in terms of his cap hit the next couple of years and you're exactly right they they have an easy out after two years this is exactly what a rebuilding football team should do so i would say let it ride right give him a chance, get some weapons around him. He's led a team to a Super Bowl, and he won a playoff game with a broken hand. Like, I, I don't know what else you would really want from Jared Goff in order to explain that. He's at least worth continuing to start in the NFL. Like, that's – it's crazy how much people, like, overrate how bad he was in, in L.A. So, I don't know. I, I love the trade. The Lions obviously have, like, a direction to their team now, which is beautiful and surprising and absurd. Uh, and personally, like I would rather be a Lions fan right now than a Rams fan, but that's just, that's just me and mine. Yeah. And you really have mobility and, and, and even if the Rams say the Rams are, you know, they do well with Matthew Stafford and those are late first round picks still having two first round picks gives you mobility and the ability to move up. And then if you're still bad drafting 10th and there's a really good quarterback coming up, you can use those picks to move up into the top five, the top three. So it just gives you opportunity and, and it's a rare position for the Lions. I think kind of an interesting part of this too is, was the news that came out, uh, the report that came out that Matthew Stafford said, you know, you can trade me to any team, but the Patriots, like what an unusual world we're living in where like a guy doesn't want to play for the Patriots. You would have never heard anything like that. And it's all because they they brought back Matt Patricia, like is – uh, is, is this too much of a leap or is like Belichick like completely like is he making short-sighted decisions now I mean bringing back Matt Patricia costing them the chance of getting a, a veteran quarterback to maybe lead this team back to the playoffs like like what's going on there guys are, are we just dropping all stock in the paths no uh, it's not it's 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 really tough to see this direction because it's a team that doesn't have a quarterback right now Cam wasn't the answer obviously like you said you brought back Matt Patricia and immediately Stafford saying, I'm not going there for whatever reason. But I mean, Matt Patricia did, did a lot of great things for new England. And, you know, we were missing some guys on defense um, injury because they sat out because of COVID. So I don't think it was bad to bring him back. Uh, Detroit just wasn't the, wasn't the right place for him. Um, sometimes Belichick, I think gets too cute with his moves uh, in terms of, you know, trying to outsmart people too much, just make, make the right call. But a quick thing on, on the Lions, I do love – I love it all, love the trade. They get draft capital. They get Goff. And Jared Goff's girlfriend, if you don't want to make the move to Detroit, I'm in L.A. You don't have to leave anywhere. I've, I saw you at the bungalow last Whoa. year around this time. Everyone was looking at you. So if you don't want to make the make the move to cold Detroit, that's all I'm saying. If you, if you ever hear this podcast, I'm here. So Lions A plus, Rams F, and, and and Jordan also A plus plus for this trade. Amazing, amazing. Uh, well, 
one thing I will say, I, I think you guys are spot on with the Lions. And if I were to, to crown a winner of this trade, besides Jordan, I would say it's the Houston Texans because that team is licking its chops right now. They can say all they want that they don't want to trade Deshaun Watson, but when they end up trading him because he's not going back, they are going to get four, five, six, 17. I don't care how many. It's the amount of draft capital they're going to get they're going to get five first round picks or the equivalent of five first round picks for Deshaun Watson. And it's, it's ridiculous that like, this is what a team can do all because the Rams just overvalued Matthew Stafford the way they did and sending so many picks. No, I agree, man. I, I don't even know what it's going to take at this point to get Deshaun Watson out, out of Houston. I mean, he's legitimately um, maybe a top five, top eight quarterback in the league. Matthew Stafford, definitely not that, not to mention that he's 25 years old. I mean, I can't even imagine, like, you know, some of the trade. I mean, I think, like, Colin Coward put out something crazy with the Raiders, and it sounds insane, like four first-round picks, Derek Carr and Darren Waller, and you on the surface, you're like, that would never happen. But then you see the Matthew Stafford trade, and you're like, that does kind of make sense. If he's going for two first-round picks, Deshaun Watson has to at least go for four. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I kind of don't think they end up moving on from him. I, I just think that – um, it, it's going to be too much of a, of a steep price for someone to even pay. Like, I don't, I don't even know. I think he's just going to end up having to, having to stay there. I think it's too unprecedented to see a 25 year old quarterback um, leave his franchise that drafted him, but we'll see. We'll see it definitely reset the market for sure. Definitely reset the market, but uh, we're going to reset this podcast with a quick break. And when we come back, it's all Super Bowl. We're going to be naming some of our favorite prop bets, making some predictions. Stay tuned for that. Joseph Topete. Welcome back. My mom just texted me that my savings account went from 2000 to three, uh, 3,500. I told her to put that all in GameStop. So I'm feeling pretty good right now, but uh, welcome back to study hall guys. Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday is on the horizon. Got the, the chiefs and the Buccaneers. Obviously we're going to start off with some of our favorite uh, prop bets. I'm going to start things off. My favorite one is that um, for the opening team, for the opening kickoff to go for a touchdown plus 5,500. The reason why I like those odds, Nicole Hardman for the Chiefs, one of the best return men in the league, does have a kick return touchdown this year. I think the Buccaneers have a pretty good guy too. Uh, I completely forget his name. Maybe Kenyon Barner's on there too. But um, I like this bet. You know, I put down $10 to win like 560. So, uh, all right, next. What's your guys' favorite uh, Super Bowl prop bets? I think mine's got to be, will there be a wardrobe malfunction? Because it kind of brings it back to Janet Jackson. We all saw what happened with that. And that's that's going for uh, not plus 900 for yes and minus 3,500 for no. And the weekend is a little, he's racy, you know. He Sometimes he can get a little handsy. So maybe he accidentally grabs something or someone or maybe during he's trying to change and something happens because he is going to be wearing probably that prosthetic face that he's been uh, kind of using for his most recent album. And maybe he doesn't get all his clothes on or something. So I think a good bet would be yes for a wardrobe malfunction, even in 2021, but we'll see. I, I like that one. Well, I, I, it, it's very interesting. I think you were almost trying to give the weekend a, a, a compliment there, but it seemed like you just rattled off a number of accusations against him. Um, <laughs> so the weekend is definitely a person of interest this weekend uh a point or prop uh, of interest for me this weekend would be the bitcoin bet <laughs> about going up or down i think that's really interesting you know you have a lot of people together 
you know, I wonder like if they're going to be on their phones a lot, like how that's going to work. The bet. You know? Explain the bet. Explain the bet. Okay. The bet is whether or not Bitcoin goes up or down between the start and end of the Super Bowl. I think it's very interesting. It's a very volatile, you know, stock. It's a bull market. It's a bear market. There's bulls and bears everywhere. Uh, but I, I, I think it's actually the most interesting one because it allows you to just completely disconnect from what is happening on the broadcast, on the field, in the game, all those storylines. Like the amount of time that CBS has spent, you know, collecting, and CBS and the NFL has spent collecting, you know, this story for you. You're just like, hey, I basically don't care about that. I'm just going to look at what Bitcoin does. So I think that's fun. Well, I solid bet. I feel like Bitcoin will go up. So minus 150 is free money. Uh, for me, I think that there's a lot of good ones. Will the weekend mention Canada? Uh, of course he will. He's Canadian. Uh, will, will the singers of the national anthem, uh, omit or forget words from the national anthem? That, that's, that also sounds like easy money. Why would they be forgetting words? Like it's the national anthem. You've been singing it since kindergarten, right? But for me, the, the tried and true best prop bet, uh, of the Super Bowl has to be uh, the color of the Gatorade shower. However, I, I feel like they are not trying to give any free advertisement to Gatorade. So here on Bobata, it says, what color will the first liquid be that is poured on the game-winning coach? You know, it could be ranch dressing at that point if you're just opening it up to, uh, <laughs> if it's Andy Reid, you never know. It might just be uh, some gravy, could be that. But uh, hey, I, I rode orange last year for color of Gatorade and I got it. So I'm going to stick with orange plus 165. Uh, purple plus 1300. Sleeper pick there for sure. I like blue plus 800. Blue, I mean, blue's the best Gatorade flavor. Why would you not have that on the sideline? I don't understand it. There you go. I like how many times will uh, will uh, Giselle Bunchen be shown? It's uh, over under one and a half times. I'm, I'm going to hammer the over on that. She's going to be shown three times. Bill Belichick mentioned. Oh, but if it's, Ro- if it's Ro- Romo's calling the game, right? Yeah, if, uh, it'll be a lot probably then for Giselle. No, for for Belichick, Belichick and Brady is going to be mentioned a lot if, with Romo because he, I mean, Belichick and uh, the Patriots because you know he loves talking about Brady's time there and how good he was there. So I'm sure that'll be that'll come up a lot. Another one that I like, and then we'll move on. Um, will Kenny G be on stage during the halftime show? These odds are mysterious. I feel like there's some insider information. It's only uh, plus two seventy five for yes. Um, I feel like somebody somebody knows something. I, I don't know. But, yeah, Kenny G. Uh, Drake in there, too, the Canadian connection. Bella Hadid shown during the halftime show. I think I think that, that might happen. I mean, the weekend's known girlfriend. Um, yeah, lots to keep an eye on. But let's, uh, let's get to the game that we're keeping an eye on, the game within the game, the battle really between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady for their legacies. Tom Brady chasing – um, his sixth ring, and and before uh, you know, before this podcast, me and Dan were kind of talking, kind of interestingly. You know, we feel like Mahomes is on the goat path right now. I mean, like even if he retired today um, and won the Super Bowl, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame. Already has the resume that would give him two rings, uh, a season MVP, presumably two Super Bowl MVPs. Um, so you know, the only person that he's really chasing is, is Brady. Um, and and Dan, what was the point you were making about Brady? What, what would happen for Brady if he wins this game? For, for me, in my eyes, at least, as a, as a football fan, sports fan in general, if you go on to win seven Super Bowls and you, you've only lost three of them and you're beating the guy who right now, if we look at it, the only possible threat to that legacy, yes, 10 years from now, someone might come along and 
you know, go 10 Super Bowls straight and win every single one of them in their first 10 years. That's that, that would be ridiculous. Right now, right now, Patrick Mahomes is the only one truly on that GOAT path. Right exactly. Now. And for me, if Tom Brady goes out there and beats him, Patrick Mahomes can't do anything to possibly gain that crown over Tom Brady. At that point, the GOAT has been decided. If you can't beat the GOAT when he's that old, when he's 43, then you're not the goat. It's yeah. That that's what I would say. I was gonna say I don't I don't know though because it's not yeah he would lose to Brady and this great Bucks team with the great defense and all the weapons, but I don't think it necessarily can disqualify him from ever being labeled as the goat if he says say he wins eight. So and he can't and Brady's retired. He can't do anything about that. So I think there's still paths to him becoming the goat, especially if he breaks records for yards breaks the records for touchdowns breaks the record and i think more importantly if he breaks brady's records of postseason touchdowns and yards if he's able to break those and i think that'll go a long way too because then you're talking about super bowl wins and also talking about postseason performance which is equally as big so if he can get some of those i think it'd be a whole different story i, I wouldn't say if he loses he can never be the go i think it's you, you can't it's not everyone can be perfect like 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 mj I'm not saying that he needs to, to be be perfect in it, though. I'm just saying this one game will be – like he can go on and lose five of them and still win more than when Brady or lose however many. It doesn't matter. This game right here is legacy-defining. This is the changing of the guard. You have the old GOAT versus the potential new GOAT. You know, as Jordan was saying last week on the pod, I've been calling this since he came out of the league that he was going to be the GOAT type thing. Not actually, but once, once he started playing – the things that he was doing, and I saw, like, hey, this guy is the next best thing. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen, and I'm a big Aaron Rodgers guy. So when you have this potential to go and beat the guy who everyone undisputably in football right now will say Tom Brady is the GOAT, that is the entry to going and starting to claim that title for your own. If not, it's it's a hard, steep climb, and I think it's going to be more than just one Super Bowl more than Brady because, I mean, at, at, at that rate, it's – well, yeah, sure, you got one more, but maybe the NFL is different by then. You have just super teams and super teams going at it, like the NBA, and it transitions to that. I, I don't think he's gonna get that. I don't. I don't think he's gonna get to seven. I, Brady did it, but I don't. I don't see anyone else being able to get to six, possibly seven championship titles. That's hard. That's just really hard, and I think that's like a once in a lifetime thing. Just like I don't think anyone's gonna win, go undefeated in in six NBA finals like MJ did. Sometimes yeah, there's just one thing that only one person can do. And I think it's interesting. I, I think you're right, Dan, that this is an absolutely huge opportunity for Patrick Mahomes' legacy. And, and if you want an example of that, look no further. I think the last guy, and this may, might raise some eyebrows, but I think the last guy that was on a similar GOAT pathway uh, was Russell Wilson. I mean, you know, making it, winning a Super Bowl in his third year. And then in his fourth year, he had an opportunity to get a second one and really start building a dynasty um, and then, you know, fall short with that interception by Malcolm Butler. And that really changed the trajectory of the Seahawks and broke them apart. I mean, literally the locker room fractured uh, because players were angry about that call by Pete Carroll. And that was a clear inflection point. And Russell Wilson has been back to the Super Bowl since then. So it is very clear, like a, a win would put Patrick Mahomes further on that track, further on that train towards, uh, towards chasing uh, Tom Brady. And I agree that it would be devastating if he does lose. Now, context does matter a little bit. I think Tom Brady, 
um, has to outduel uh, Patrick Mahomes, has to be better in this game to really solidify that Patrick Mahomes can never catch up to him. Like if Patrick Mahomes throws three picks in this game and, and, and Brady throws for 400 yards and two touchdowns and wins, then I think it would be really tough for Patrick Mahomes to ever catch up to Tom Brady. A solid point that you were making there with Russell Wilson. I just want to touch on it quick because I know Jimmy wants to get in here. But, hey, you know who Russell Wilson was playing against in that game? Tom Brady. He could be the dynasty killer. And if he goes and does that's the same saying. thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, there was yeah, an if he goes and does the same thing to Mahomes. If he does the same thing to Mahomes, it's, he's the dynasty killer. There's no way that anyone could possibly come close to Tom Brady at that point. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was. That's the point I was trying to make with Russell Wilson. He was the last budding guy who, very early in his career, already had one ring at like age 23, had a chance for another one. Brady ended that. It fractured the team. So I'm just saying this is a clear inflection point for Patrick Mahomes. A loss here could set. You know, I don't know if it's going to set back the Chiefs or prevent him from ever getting back to another one like it has for Russell Wilson. But it would be a clear knock on his legacy and a clear missed opportunity. Like you just don't get many opportunities to go and win rings. Like so, this is a huge opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to ever catch up to Tom Brady and that goat status. Jimmy, jump in here. Yeah, so, you know, just a couple notes off of what you guys are saying. He absolutely has been the dynasty killer. You know, he killed the greatest show on turf way back in the day, those early Rams teams. He killed the Seahawks, and he killed the Falcons dynasty. Uh, additionally, you know, you make a great point about how tough it is, you know, potentially for Patrick Mahomes to win six or seven or whatever. And you have a great point because Lamar Jackson's going to win each of the next five AFC championships with the Baltimore Ravens. But that's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point that I'm trying to make is I think we're thinking a little bit too small. I think we should start thinking about where is Tom Brady in the grand scheme of the greatest sports players of all time. And you can constrict that or expand that however you want, whether you want it to be international, whether you want it just to be team sports versus individual accomplishments, whatever you want. I, I think that a guy who's been the central figure of a strong contact sport and can still do it at the best level at 43 and has done just so many things that no one else in the sport has done, right? First home Super Bowl, most titles of any player, better yet, any quarterback. Like, he's really gone to places that no one else has in this game. And for what it's worth, it is still the number one sport in the country. So I feel like to some degree that should actually count for something uh, in terms of, you know, how popular, you know, the sport is and what he's done on the biggest possible stages uh, of his career. And I think doing it with another team, you know, you could say it's like a, a Jordan winning with the Wizards or that Nets team, you know, not being terrible with Paul Peterson, Kevin Garnett. Um, but I think it's it, it's a little different. I can be honest about that. This was a, a Bucks team that very obviously was, you know, what the Rams wish they were, which is a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl, at least going to one. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Tom Brady's role as one of the greatest athletes of all time is, is certainly very interesting. And this would be such a, a cherry on top for what, He's done for so long, but I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, thanks for just stealing the point that I was going to make. That sucked. Anyways, um, I think it's hard. I, I, I think, you know, we should keep it to team sports because I think it's hard to compare what he's done to individuals. Like, how do you compare if he went to seventh ring to 23 Grand Slam titles by Serena? Like, there's no real way to app. It's too much apples to oranges to be able to compare those one to one and say, oh, man, I think tennis is harder than winning a Super Bowl. Like, maybe if she had like 10, you know, maybe winning a Super Bowl is, is more difficult than that. There's more Grand Slams a year. But when you get to a number like 23, it's just like insane. Like, we can't just ignore Serena Williams um, and some of the some of those tennis stars even people in soccer so I'm going to keep it to team sports and I think the only person you could really compare it to at this point is Michael Jordan who has six rings 
Um, you know, I think more competitive era, leave out maybe the older NBA guys like Bill Russell, because they were playing against guys that look like Daniel Halper. And we, we can, we can ignore that. So, so sticking with guys, sticking with Michael Jordan, like I totally agree. I think that Tom Brady winning at age 43 with the Buccaneers, a, a franchise that hadn't even made the playoffs since 2007, hadn't won a playoff game since 02 when they won the Super Bowl, would be similar to Michael Jordan going on the Wizards at age 39 and winning a ring with the Washington Wizards, which would have absolutely solidified him as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Instead, the Wizards went like 37 and 45 his final year when he was only 39 years old as opposed to Brady at 43. Now, a couple things are different there. Michael Jordan took four years off, kind of off and on at that point of his career, was taking on almost a coach role. But doesn't that make what Brady's doing at age 43 almost more impressive? The fact that he's still a top 10 quarterback, the fact that he's still good enough to lead an offense and lead a team to a Super Bowl. So I think that really Brady, the only person that he's chasing right now, he's already surpassed Joe Montana. Um, he's already surpassed, um, I guess, who, who even in baseball at this point? I mean, maybe some like old Yankees or something. Um, but I feel like um, he surpassed Joe Montana. He surpassed the older basketball players. I feel like the only person he's chasing in Jordan. And I feel like a win on Sunday would push him past Jordan. No question. I think I think so too because that's going to be seven and three in in the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl and you know some of those losses the some of those losses are fluky but whatever uh, seven and three versus six and zero oh, I'm gonna I just think seven and three is, is just better because he got there he got there more times I mean football is, is also very different than um, I think it's a little easier. That's easy to stay on top for both, but the Patriots were just the definition of greatness. So it was easy to get there every year. Um, and if I'm Brady and I win this, I'm, I'm riding off with the sunset. I don't, I don't think there's anything left to prove. He said he could definitely see himself playing till he's 45. He's 43 now. Uh, so that could be another, you know, one another or two seasons, but if I'm him, I'm, I'm taking this and I'm, I'm out. I'm getting my seventh ring with second, my, my first ring with another team dispelling any you know rumor that or, or idea that it's the pay, it's the Patriots that makes Brady who he is or whatever it's Bill Belichick it's not Brady but he can just get this ring and all debate live his life with Giselle do work on TV 12 stop kissing his kids and just and end it nothing else and nothing live else in before. and live in Tampa happily ever after yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen, though. I mean, we've thought that a bunch of times. Like, I, I feel like he, he says he wants to keep playing till 47. He will. And going back to what I said about baseball, though, I think Yogi Berra, I just looked it up, has the record for most World Series titles. But I think the difference between playing baseball and football, like, I feel like being the quarterback of an NFL team is more comparable to being a star NBA player like like Michael Jordan in terms of your impact on the the credit for 10 rings as much as a, as a quarterback does for seven rings it's just in a more integral position so i kind of i kind of stand by that but now time for our super bowl picks uh, we're gonna make our game picks for what we think is gonna happen on sunday uh add in a little score there i gotta go with the chiefs i think this offense is, is just too dominant um we've seen uh tom brady running dominant defenses uh running run a dominant offense before in the Super Bowl. I think it's going to have very Patriots Eagles type of vibes where it's very high scoring, but I think ultimately the chiefs win uh, by a score of 37 to 31 in an instant classic. And uh, as for MVP, I'm going to go with a little dark horse. I think Travis Kelsey um, takes that home. He's just been dominant this year. I think he has takes home MVP award and uh, yeah, that's what I've got and blue uh, Gatorade for the celebration next. Uh, 
for me, I don't think this is going to be as great of a game as you're saying. I think the uh, Chiefs are going to walk in there and Tyreek Hill is going to do the same thing that he did earlier this season and get 200 yards in the first quarter. And they're going to be on their way to a 17-point victory. I think it's going to be pretty convincing. Let's give the 34-17 uh, final score there. And uh, I'm going to stick with Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill is the most electric player in football, possibly. And uh, I don't think there's going to be anything that the Buccaneers defense can do to stop him. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I, I do want I do want Brady to win, but be realistic. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs, thirty to twenty, and I'm gonna go Mahomes MVP, back to back, straightforward. Someone had to pick him. Someone had to pick him. I like Jordan. All right, Jimmy. Uh, I have the Bucks taking it forty to thirty-one. That is a score gami for those of you uh, in the audience tonight. If not 40 to 31, I mean, I could very well see 32 to 26, 32, 22. These are just some random numbers I'm throwing out there. They also just so happen to be scorigamis. Uh, I, and I, I see the Bucks getting it done. I mean, this is a team that excels on offense and defense. I think that they've learned and grown a lot, even just since they lost to the Chiefs. Birdie at, you know, the amount that they've learned about that team and about themselves since then, it, it's unbelievable. This is, this is a different game. It is not going to be Tyreek Hill going out and ending the game in the first quarter. That's just not going to happen. So I would say a score finish of 30 plus points for the Bucks, And I think they'll, they'll take it home on home soil. That's not to say that I'm not betting uh, the world on the chiefs, but you know, I like the Bucks in this game. Add your bets there. All right. So one for the Buccaneers, three for the chiefs. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, invest in some Bitcoin or GameStop. I don't know. Get on Robin hood, whatever you need to do. Don't be- no more GameStop, please. No more games up. Uh, Jimmy's got to go pee, so we're going to wrap it up uh, right here. See you next week.